Welcome to another episode of the Sensibly Cynical Podcast. My name, of course, is Sean. Today is all about wrestling. Yes, WWF turned WWF turned WWE. All that good stuff. Um, I am so stoked to be joined by Shizlansky, a.k.a. Boston Brawler, a.k.a. Blackheart of the Off the Top Ropes podcast and NEW Simulation Wrestling. This guy knows everything wrestling. He is like a living, breathing encyclopedia. WrestleMania 37 is this weekend, so we're going to talk about the history of WrestleMania from the first one all the way to predictions on the upcoming matches. So, if you are a fan of wrestling or even a novice and want to learn all about it, this episode is for you. So, it's time for the all-wrestling edition of Sensibly Cynical. All right, everybody. Joining me now, he is part of Off the Top Ropes podcast and in charge of NEW Simulation Wrestling, Shizlansky, a.k.a. Boston Brawler. What's good, man? <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. Much love, much appreciation man, for the podcast, man. Sicily, cynical podcast. I'm back with it. This is round two. Let's get it. Also, just one thing, another alias is just Blackheart, but y'all know how we do it over the other side of town. There you go. This is WrestleMania season. I think we should go off to what people remember of why they became wrestling fans, or at least the lot fans, that at least they remember wrestling to that one mate, that one big event, the Stravaganza or the Mall. We're going to talk about WrestleMania here today. All right, sounds good to me, man. So, what I remember at WrestleMania originally, you know, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, when Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant, you know, a lot of people didn't see that coming. I mean, people really did see this coming. I oh, mean, you think so? Um, yeah, this is was WrestleMania wasn't wasn't just uh just one thing that was planned for so many years. It was like a one shot deal. Um, in the very first place, Vince McMahon just had this vision that he wanted to go big. He wanted to make it something like a, a extravaganza show, and hence what WrestleMania was all about. To me, one to where we going off WrestleMania three to the time that you're talking about. Um, yeah. Put everything, every dime, every resource on the line. That first one when it came to Hulk Hogan, Mr. T versus Roddy Roddy Piper and Paul Ordendorf, you know? So, if it wasn't for that first WrestleMania, being sold in cold circuits, which means people had to go to the movie theaters and watch this thing. And really sold out. And they made, oh, they had one million viewers of that one first WrestleMania that got them out there. And that's how... We kickstart this whole WrestleMania every year, being the biggest extravaganza of them all. The WWWF, that was before that, right? WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling <laughs> Federation, was his father's company, was Vincent Kelly McMahon Sr. So Vince McMahon's father was previously the owner of that company, and then he has sold the company to his son. He had his own vision, I think it was just taking the matter upon himself and, and how he visioned it to be this one big show that it would get people talking like the people have talk about Super Bowl every year, the World Series every year, the NBA Finals every year. He mm-hmm. wants that he wants wrestling to be part of that category and he greatly achieved it. What's your favorite WrestleMania moment from the earlier years? 
if I really had to, like, to look back, if we had to rewatch so older matches, oh, it was definitely Ricky, Ricky the Dragon Seaver versus Moscow and Randy Savage. That was the one that, that gravitated most fans. Like, oh, my God, this, this match from beginning to end was psychology beautiful. And from both guys, nonetheless, mm-hmm. wrestling for the Intercontinental Championship. Right. At that time, which was the workhorse title. The second tier to be to be shown that he's going to be the next star, right? And that was a key component to that to that event. People might say that um, Hogan and Andre sold the show, but it was really Savage and Steeble that stole the show. Yeah, because I know I know Macho Man. You know, God rest his soul. He's no longer around with us either. I know a lot of wrestlers have died recently. Ordered people. So he was like, he was one of my guys. Like I had some core guys back in the day, but I didn't start watching wrestling until he was much older in WCW. But when I did some, you know, research on him, like he was one of those cornerstone people in the wrestling industry. He was the Mount Rushmore's mm-hmm. of the 80s. You would definitely have to put his face on that. This is the matches that I remember. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 12, 60-minute Iron Man match for the title. That was beautiful. I was six watching that. <laughs> yeah. Whoever that was not watching that match was not truly a fan or was not a fan of that match. Something was wrong with them. Then mm-hmm. WrestleMania 7. I mean, the WrestleMania 13, excuse me. Austin versus Bret in a submission match where Austin became the, I mean, became the, I mean, the wrestler that he is and that's how he got the fuck over. Following WrestleMania 14 in my backyard, Boston, Massachusetts. Yes, I was eight years old and I worked there as a birthday gift. And I see my man Austin win the title in my home field, prices money. Talk about Ultimate Warrior's importance to the company. What do you think his role was back then? Squeeze whatever money that he can and get things his way. <laughs> yes, I have to say that because it actually was true. Um, some people say he was difficult to work with. Um, other people say he didn't make those sense that he was only speaking from a third-person perspective, so basically talking from his warrior perspective, not his Jim Harrell's um, um, persona. So you know how the whole quote, art imitates reality. He was one of those people that it, imit- that it blended in to what we don't know what his real self is and what the ultimate warrior begins. So, but he created some, but he created some moments for the company, so I can't say anything too negative about that. It's not like he didn't do anything bad or negative that made me look at it some type of way. I think just behind the scenes behavior, I kind of diminished how people have looked at him even after all these years, even after his passing. He's been gone for 10 years, so. He was intense in real life and in, you know, in front of the cameras. You know, that's just what I heard, that he was just an intense guy. And literally, he changed his name. Well, that's really going too far. Was that he got so enveloped into this alternate reality that it became his reality? You know, a lot of kids liked him because you know he would he would mess he would uh, what would what would he do with the top rope? He would uh, shake it. He would shake the top rope. He would um, he would run around the ring just like a crazy madman. Give me a little brief history on the WrestleMania history, real quick. Um, so for the beginner, the rookie, the novices of the world of wrestling that do not know, there's 37 WrestleMania's out there. Hence the one that I'm including that's coming out in a matter of a week. Before this whole thing has started, we got to think about the territories. 
Now, before WWE, WWF, it was part of territories, of different territories of promotional wrestling companies, such as um, World Class Championship Wrestling, based on Dallas, Texas, FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, um, Jim Crockett Promotions, whose main hub was Atlanta, Georgia, um, and several others, including the NWA, was spread all over. It's been all over the country. So there's over 100 promotions throughout the 1950s and 1980s slash 90s which started dying out beginning in 1984. That's what Vince McMahon, the old man that we know, the old man that me, Dukes, and dozens of other people on my show, off the top of our podcast, talk massive shit about, um, he purchased the WWF from his father and redubbed WWF, World Wrestling Federation. Boom. So this is when cable TV had just came into town. And it changed the rest of population and popularity in 1984 forever. Then you have the likes of Sidney Lauffer, uh, Muhammad Ali, Andy Warhol, uh, Mr. T. And that's when MTV was one of those main premier music channels and um, wrestling was trying to get a good foot, good foot in the cable. Hence the whole rock and roll connection that happened on MTV back in the day. This is for some of your older folks, by the way. Um... Of course, some people may know this televised event called the Ward Sell the Score, which was the main event was Hulk Hogan versus Freddie Piper. That match had led on to the very first WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden on March 21st, 1985. That was the traditional period from wrestling, for what it was professional wrestling, that Vince McMahon had transitioned that over to what we call it now today, sports entertainment. So hence that phrase right there. So blame Vince for all this. Do not look at wrestling as some every wrestling promotion is going to do the same thing. No, there's actually real professional wrestling out there. You just have to look real deep in the haystack and try to find this thing, folks. So please bear with that. So hence, you know, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was by which was run by one Jim Cornette, Mama's Boy, of course, Jim Crockett Promotions that got bought out by Ted Turner and was rechristened in WCW. So that's how that whole transition had happened. If this put a lot of resources and money into WrestleMania 1, then he achieved it, as I said earlier in this episode, um, with the 1 million viewers, that's how he got catapulted, and that's the way they want to do it again, the WrestleMania 2. That's when it started becoming a year-to-year-to-year special event. Now, it started going to more closed-circuit syndications in L.A., Chicago, and New York. They got the celebrities, you know, like William Perry, The Fridge, um, Ray Charles, Daryl Dawkins, you got Aretha Franklin singing at WrestleMania 3 in her old backyard of Detroit, Michigan. That's the way WrestleMania 3, Andre versus Hulk. And year after year after year, it just travels to different main key places to try to get more exposure, trying to get more money and more partnerships. WrestleMania 4 and 5 was in, it was in Atlanta City, Trump Towers. Hence why this big man and Donald Trump are so much our goddamn friends. Why? Because they have a special partnership with each other in the matter of their friendship. Great minds think alike, right? WrestleMania 6, Ultimate Warrior, um, Hulk Hogan. But this was the first WrestleMania that kind of transitioned over to um, other country boundaries. Hence why it went to Canada. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 7 was kind of what I kind of want to double a patriarch. WrestleMania because of the war in Iran in 1991. See, each year, it goes by a certain theme. WrestleMania goes by certain themes each year. This year, 
that WrestleMania 7 was patriotic because of the war in Iran, the Gulf War, mm-hmm. and that situation that was going over there at, the, at that time. And they had created the character of Sergeant Slaughter. You remember him, right? The anti-American um, nemesis to Hulk Hogan. They had a picture with him and Saddam Hussein and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. That's how it grew out of control because it became unsafe that they were doing the outside sports arena where they could feel like they could get attacked at that time period. Hence, what the Super Bowl that year did the same thing too. The Buffalo Bills versus the New York Giants. I don't know if you remember that Super Bowl, but that's the first of many four falls of the Buffalo Bills. WrestleMania 8, we could have got ourselves a dream match between Ho-Ho Gate and Rick Flair who I left WCW to come up to WWE at the time with the World Heavyweight Championship belt, and that's all people wanted to see. The dream match. Who's really the best person in, in, the, in the ring for the title on the line? We didn't get that because of management. WrestleMania 9 is where they start getting the real theme and introducing the Tongas and Roman Empires and stuff like that. This is all the season powers. Bret Hart had dropped the belt to Yoko, Yoko, five minutes later, drops the belt to Hulk Yokozuna was part of the Samoan dynasty, right? Yes, he was. So, that's what I thought. So, go ahead. <laughs> when she comes back to Madison Square Garden, the place we're starting all, of course. Hence, with the historical, rather Madison Street, Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels was about, right? <laughs> we all know about that one. And I do, too. I had to be four years old watching that pay-per-view as well. And this is where we see it now become a year-to-year annual special attraction, um, more eyeballs, more celebrities, more popularity, more closed circuits, these pay-per-views, which means you're actually purchasing it back in the day to the black box and calling them your cable provider and all this other stuff. Back in the day, were they getting people, I know Brock Lesnar is way, way, way down the line, but back in the day, were they getting guys that were like in like, not saying real wrestling, but were they getting guys, grapplers, to go to WWF? Were they recruiting back then? Or was it not much recruiting? Was it like homegrown stuff, like territories? I think the majority of the locker room for a certain time period was all homegrown people that have been there since either their territory was brought out or they left their territory and they was, and they stayed up there for the majority of the time. Yeah, yeah. WrestleMania 10, what was the main event of that one? Actually, there was two main events that evening. At first, it was Lex Luger versus Yokozuna right. for the WWE title. Uh-huh. And whoever won that faced Bret Hart later on that night. Oh, let's talk about Lex Luger. Was he one of those WCW guys, right? He was a WCW guy who came to WWE, um, went back and forth. But he, was, but he came up there... After he had a stint with WCW back in the day, in the late 80s, he came up there as a narcissist. And I believe in 1992. I remember him like putting people in the rack, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> uh-huh. I always thought that was cool. He was one of those guys that, again, he wasn't a super good talker on the mic, but his actions, his actions spoke louder than words. You know, he was also one of those larger-than-life guys. Indeed. He wasn't, he never got to Warriors level popularity, but he was up there for a run. Yes. So what, totally. So he faced Yokozuna now. We briefly mentioned him. What made Yokozuna so popular? Do you know? He was the nephew of the Head Shrinkers. Um, and because he was in Samoan, you know, he had 
wrestling experience where he had that wrestling blood in him and they they see his work and for a big guy for him that can move the agile before the real weight game, he he was unstoppable and they really wanted to bring him up to WWF. But they needed something else to give him and they thought about way him being a Samoan. And since he can get away with being a Samoan because he had long hair and he looked he had a big persona. And they made him, built him to make him like this unstoppable moving giant. And that's something that I, that even Andre the Giant couldn't do because of his size. So with Yoko, he had something different. He had a hard work ethic and he made things look believable for a big guy that he looked like he could terrify and whip someone's ass. <laughs> that's how he got over it. And that's why he was a beloved big guy, but he worked harder than any other big guy at that time period back then. So we get to 11. So by this time period, this is when WWF at the time were starting to try to get massive growth. They're trying to get more involved in the community base. That's why the whole WWF access was born to give opportunity to fans to come in to have a great weekend experience and such and such and such like that. And at the same time period, this is when the Hall of Fame ceremony was, was created and born. Hence why WWE has its own Hall of Fame. Um, WrestleMania 11, your main event to that was Lawrence Taylor, the famous defensive end from, from the New York Giants, going one-on-one with Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow. There's another one that brings me back. <laughs> this was when WrestleMania really, really picked up steam globally, you said, right? Yes. The thing about Vince McMahon is whether you like him or you don't like him, he seemed to be ahead of the curve, especially back then. You know, how do you get this deal? You know what I mean? He was a de- he was a dealer's dealer, you know? He went and got in Ric Flair. Ric Flair was kind of pissed off at WCW about how they was treating him and wanted to leave. And he was like, well, if you come up here, then you'll be offered this much and this time and the third. And then, ah, <laughs> you know, how to deal with things that way. He had a big ego, right, Vince? He still does, right? Uh, you don't want to hear my opinion about that, so next question. Well, let's see. So what was WrestleMania 17? WrestleMania 17 was 2001. Yeah, okay. What was the main event of that? Stone Cold versus The Rock, which was for the title. And this was the second bout. Number two, Rock and Austin. Yeah, let's talk about... I know we talked about the Samoan Dynasty. So The Rock, how was The Rock related to Yokozuna? Rock and Yokozuna were cousins. Cousins, okay. So The Rock was this player out of Miami, right? He had he had the physical tools. He went to Miami to play football. Now, yes, he did. And then, of course, we, everyone knows this. I think Stone Cold's the one guy that we don't have to <laughs> dissect on this podcast. Everyone knows Stone Cold. Of course. So what was it about that rivalry that was so cool? It was the chemistry. It's a chemistry that both the guys had, but not when it comes to WrestleMania. You have to look at the earlier stuff that they had before when it was facing off against each other for the IC championship. And you can see that there was a spark there that they had that it was like, okay, we got something great here. Now, if we can manifest these two and keep them away, like an actual like, boxing fight, and we bring them back later when they're both in their prize, we can get something great out of it, and we... And we got a WrestleMania 15, which was the very first bout between the two of them in the main event, nevertheless. And that sold out. And then you had to do it again at some point. You had to give the people what they want. Of the two, The Rock and Stone Cold, who do you think had the better career? 
No, no comment to that because they both have the same caliber. About equal? Yes. Am I missing any big matches from the teens? When we're not talking about all the way until WrestleMania 19? I can give you a few, which we already kind of said that already. Uh, we already said Bret Hart and Steve Austin, which built him up to be a star. Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in my backyard. The rest, the wrestling era has begun, so it was an attitude era. WrestleMania 15, as we said before, Rock and Austin won. WrestleMania 16 was a failed forward elimination match. Rock, Triple H, Big Show, and Mick Foley. WrestleMania 17 was Rock and Austin 2. WrestleMania 18, there's the two main events, as I really would have dubbed. Um, Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. Chris Jericho versus Triple H for the Undisputed title. And then we go up to WrestleMania 19, which was <clears throat> Rock and Austin 3, which was definitely the final one. And, as, and fun fact, folks, <laughs> if you ever look at his vest on, uh, at WrestleMania 19, where he has the OMR at, that's abbreviation for one more round, indicating he was about to be done. After that match, he was done. He was going into retirement. So who would have thought that he had a subliminal message on his vest that no one ever thought about? Wow, that shocked me. And, um, yeah, and, of course, the main event of that one was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle for the undisputed title. Right. Was that the that one, one where Brock Lesnar failed the shooting star press? Yes, he did. Yeah, we can talk about Brock Lesnar right now. He was, he was, and still is a once in a lifetime athlete, right? First person I know that could actually do WWE, done achieving what he wanted to do, get bored, leave, try to go to the NFL, didn't make it, but decided to go to USC and found himself in a better situation, made money, didn't have to see people, mm-hmm. didn't have to deal with anyone. Train whatever the fuck that he wanted to, go make his dates, <laughs> yeah. and go back home. Yeah, so Brock Lesnar, for those that don't know, he won the NCAA College Championship Wrestling at Minnesota. He won the UFC World Heavyweight Champion against Randy Couture. Am I, not, am I wrong on that? I believe he was right on the money with it. WrestleMania 20, was that the one that... Actually, you know what? Before we get to WrestleMania 20, let's talk about Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid. For those that don't know, Shawn Michaels is probably on the Mount Rushmore of top wrestling superstars. Would you agree with that? Oh, are you kidding me? There's no fucking question. He is part of the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. In my eyes, <laughs> you know, the performances at WrestleMania alone stands and tells the tale of his legacy. What are some other matches besides Shawn, besides um, Undertaker that Shawn Michaels is known for at WrestleMania? Bret Hart, WrestleMania 12, as I said it before, <laughs> um, they just, that's just an undeniable one. Um, him versus Chris Jericho, WrestleMania 19, was one of my favorite matches of, of that whole card. Um, I, I would have to say this is non no, I mean this is not WrestleMania moment, but him versus mankind, uh, in your house, mind games, nineteen ninety six. That match, if you ever take a look at that match, please watch it. You will instantly become a fan of why mankind back then was the greatest thing to me in my eyes. In 1996, because he brought a different style that he challenged you to do something different in your matches. And that's what his style brought to the table. It brought something different 
from Michaels. And that's something that we never had seen before. Mm-hmm. Quote me on it. So he was one of those workers kind of worker. Like anyone could write, he could make anyone have a good match. Hell, he made um, Chris Masters have a good match. I remember that pay-per-view. He made Chris Masters have a good match. If anyone, if, <laughs> you know, if you can make Chris Masters have a decent match, you know you're a legend. We'd be remiss if we don't talk about his rivalry with Triple H. Did they have a WrestleMania match? They shared one together at WrestleMania 20. Let's talk about WrestleMania 20. That's where we're at. So, what was your favorite match of that card? Um, number one would definitely have to be A. Guerrero versus Kurt Angle, because that match was beautiful, and I didn't even think Eddie had even a chance to win, and somehow Miami had won. That was a great WrestleMania feel. Number two was when Chris Benoit won the World Heavyweight title against Triple H, Shawn Michaels. And Eddie Guerrero came out, his best friend, and hugged him in the, uh, in the confetti fall, in the balloons, mm-hmm. the Madison Square Garden, the best go-home feeling in any pay-per-view history that I, 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 I have ever felt. And two mm-hmm. best friends yeah. celebrate both their title wins together in the same ring. Beautiful, man. Like, there's nothing compared to that. Number three was the return of my Undertaker versus Kane. That's a dead man. I was like, yes, he's back. Mm-hmm. So the Undertaker and Kane, brothers of destruction, right? Yes, they were. Now Undertaker, aka Mark Calloway, he was Vince McMahon's go-to workhorse. Whenever Vince McMahon needed someone in a pinch, he would go to the Undertaker for a, a main event match. Man, listen, Undertaker is my favorite wrestler of all time. He is now. Just don't argue with me about this. He is not only just the main person that Vince McMahon depend on, he was the locker room leader. He was the vice guy. He was he was the guru of, of WWE. And no one can ever take that away from him. If it wasn't for him, he would never be made so many damn stars. He would never made Jeff Hardy. He would never made Triple H. He would never even made Austin. He would have said, Vince, they're not ready yet. And he would have been, nope. Go ahead, kid. You got you know, you got a little bit more work to do, but you're getting there, and I see that in you. And he can tell you right the fuck away if you got it, if you got it. And that's why he's so fundamental in WWE, but most importantly to Vince McMahon. Yeah, and then uh, his brother Kane, who is my, who's one of my favorite wrestlers. I remember watching. Did you ever watch the first Bud match <laughs> with him and uh, with him and uh, Steve Austin? Yes. <laughs> that, shit was... the ring, <laughs> that shit was so great. John Cena started getting big in the 20s? Uh, yes. I would say WrestleMania 20, where I would dub his coming out party. Um, that was when he had won the United States Championship from the Big Show. I remember That's... that because that was the opener, right? That was the opening match. Yes, it was. And... You know, this wasn't PG attitude adjustment, Cena. This was Thug Life, you know, FU. Dr. Thugonomics. Yeah, so which version of John Cena you think drew more money? I mean, he was getting over when he was in the Doctor of Thugonomics. I think he started drawing the money till, I think, 2005 when he had won the championship. I think that's when they said, okay. We're going to put the belt on Cena. He's the new version of Superman for us. So we build the mother to be the Superman. We can go after the kids. 
and go after the kids means more money. Now you're not just looking at just the, the teenage demographic anymore. Now you're mm-hmm. looking at the adults. Here's where we see the changes in WWF to WWE, and now it's starting to be more diluted entertainment, but it's right. giving some surprise factors and aspects. But you still had the stars. You know, John Cena was the new merchant star right. coming into his own. Right, and then that's... 2005. And then you had Randy Orton, Batista in that time frame. Yes, sir. Um, is there any match in your in the twenties that you want to talk about, like late twenties? The only matches that still in my head at the time period was the Undertaker matches because that was when we see gold. This is when we see the yearly gold every year that no matter what. Undertaker was going to defend history no matter who called him out and he was going to come and accept it and he was going to give a hell of a match. Um, so I was happy for him versus CM Punk, him versus Shawn Michaels twice, him versus Triple H twice, even him versus John Cena at WrestleMania 30, I believe. Um, no, actually, excuse me. No, actually, excuse me. That was afterwards um, the one in New Orleans. The WrestleMania 30 where he lost the streak to Brock Lesnar was the one that I kind of said, damn, I, I mean, I was shocked that I didn't know how to feel, but at the end, I kind of learned to accept it because at some point, you have to lose. So, I just said it was the wrong person to lose, too. I said, if you would have gave the win to either Cena or someone that needed to win the most to try to cap out the career, like CM Punk needed that, that moment, that could have helped him in a big way, but that, but that didn't. You gave it to the wrong person. So that's what I got to say about that. That's when, you know, the 20s, I mean, that's when The Undertaker started getting to those matches where he would be like once a year, right? I think by 24, it started to be once a year. And, you know, I think that, I think Triple H is getting there now. No, Triple H has been there, man. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not going back into the ring. I, I mean, I think he knows it now. Like, there's no way I can go back go into the ring right now, even with my experience, I don't think my body is even prone to it now. Yeah, well, let's let's go to 30, and we talk about, we can talk about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Which one do you want to talk about first, CM Punk or Daniel Bryan? Let's just go to CM Punk first, since he didn't last that long. All right, so about CM Punk, Phil Brooks, what is it about him that you think drew, you know, money? His mouth. He was a great talker. Um, Second... Was that mean his ring ability? I think Thurry, he just, he knew what the WWE infrastructure, basically, he was really stone cold with just in another man's body, but he was outspoken about the indifferences, about, you know, certain people getting pushed, you know, other hardworking people that's been there for years that had got an opportunity, that could be the opportunity for them. I think he was one of those people that was being stigma too by the corporate machine. And he's one of those people that, I guess what he has said, the voice of the voiceless. So for people that can't speak up for themselves, they feel like they're being fucked over by their boss or they're being fucked over by a company. I think he connected to the audience that way, that it's okay for you to speak up and go to me and say, yo, this is not right. And you need to kind of fix this. And as we kind of see it now, how many other people have we known now that are more outspoken at their workplaces because they see... So racial injustice or interpromotional differences or whatever the case may be, it'd be a lot more outspoken about it because they want to see a change. 
And we, as a wrestling audience, want that change. We want to see the better in-ring performer guys being built. Not the same guy that you've been pushing us for the last 10 years. He's just saying the things that we couldn't say or WWE are ignoring us and didn't want us to want us to say or oh, know how it's a fucking thing, you know? I think that's what Phil Brook did for us. Right, because we can talk about his infamous promo on Monday Night Raw. That was one of those oh my god moments. Yeah. When he when he sat in, what is it, Indian style and just went off. He was on top of the stage in a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt with a microphone in his hand. John Cena laid out in the ring, who was just recently crashed to a table. Hey man, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I got a lot of shit I gotta get off my chest. And he went off the rails. And whoever would have thought the pipe bomb is what really underlined his name like, oh shit, that was real as it come. Do you think him and Ultimate Warrior are similar personalities? No. The difference between Ultimate Warrior and CM Punk was this. Ultimate Warrior wanted more money and quicker matches, like Brock Lesnar does. CM Punk wanted the next person to get pushed up with him so they could be better. Or he wanted a certain booking so he could be booked somewhere down the line where he could see him versus Daniel Bryan to be treated as Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. So that could draw more money and that could build his stock and Daniel Bryan's stock. He was more into what was best for business, but at the time period, it wasn't best for business because they looked at him as an outspoken person who just didn't know how to shut up. That was the difference. All right. So speaking of Daniel Bryan... Brian Danielson, he is your ultimate indie guy. You know, went up to Ring of Honor and places like that where, you know, him and Cesaro and every Rollins and stuff. So Daniel Bryan was one of those guys that, you know, from the Northwest, like Northwest, you know, Seattle area. All he knew was wrestling. That's it. What was your thoughts on Daniel Bryan? First thing I thought was, who the hell is this short guy with with, with a very long chin? Uh, And him and the Miz is just going at it, um, like cats and dogs, and that's how we build the little rivalry. But it took me like a year or two to get used to him, and I can say, "Hmm." now put him, then you start fancy booking, he can work well with him and him. And we see it kind of happen, you're like, oh my God, yeah, yo. I was kind of stunned about his in-ring performance. Forget about his gimmick, his in-ring performance was attracting me to him. Um, there's certain people that can get you gimmick-wise, there's certain people that can get you moveset-wise, there's certain people that can get you on the microphone. Mm-hmm. He's one of those people that can get me on the microphone and in the ring, but as for the gimmick, um, I say just let him be his damn self, and, um, but they kind of juggle around with his persona so many times. But right, so he, he won the title. The most underdog person in WWE's history in the last 10 to 15 years. So he beat Randy Orton and Batista in the same match at WrestleMania 30 after beating Triple H. Yes, he did. So they really went for the push for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the fans pushed for him bad. This is what they, this is what they was giving the audience what they want. <laughs> the yes movement. All right, so as we wind down here, let's talk about the women's revolution, and then we can talk about um, the upcoming WrestleMania. Does that sound good, or is there anything else you want to touch on before we get to the women's revolution? Nah, man, it's cool. We can go to it. 
All right, so the women's revolution. You know, I think it started with China, Lita, Tristratus, and then they went into, you know, what what was it? Like pudding matches and stuff. They went, you know, they went into gimmick matches. What why do you think they brought back the the women's wrestling like, you know, big time? Cuz we're looking at a society where Equal opportunity is going to say a lot of things. Um, and there were some female wrestlers out there in the world that just didn't get pushed right or didn't just receive the opportunity. Hence where, um, you know, the later generations, um, I got to skip the whole 10s because there's nobody really in the 10s besides maybe Michelle McCool and um, maybe Maurice. But if I just skip through that, I say when, Charlotte came in. I seen when Sasha Bailey and Becky and them came in, that was really what I think it was like, okay, we need to take notice. And these women were put on Hellacious matches in NXT that you're like, oh my God, when they go to the main roster, they're going to be built up like this. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Charlotte was the first one to get skyrocketed. Right. Then Sasha, then Bailey, then Becky. Then you see Oscar coming into the picture, which that's my personal favorite because she had everything. And the technical wrestler that I just said, you know, majority of the Japanese style wrestlers, no strong style and submission. So that's a deadly combination to even get to even face with. And outside of WWE too, like there's a few of them that's out there as well. Um, Kyrie Singh, there's a few of them that's out there. Um, Kylie Ray, who were who used to work for Impact Wrestling too. Um, there's yeah, there's a few people, even Jordan Grace. She works for Impact Wrestling, and her contract's about to come up. Right. She's going to be a free agent. Never know what she's going to end up being. So there's hate, talent out there. Yeah, I hate to be, you know, we got to give credit to Ronda Rousey, too. No, I can't give credit to her either. No? That's like bringing Mike Tyson into the ring and teaching him how to wrestle, and then somehow he just wants him down our throats. I can't accept that. Okay, so I know you can give credit to Trish Stratus and Lita, though. Talk about them. Yeah, okay, fine. I can do that. Um, <laughs> Trish and Lita were basically the two-on-one package deals. They got over in the ring, but they got over with their characters. And, of course, this was actual error, so it was highly sexual in our faces every week. So, yeah, of course they got the fuck over. But it was really the 2000s that was where you see their in-ring ability more. And you see that they can give off great, psych- great psychologically planned matches and who wouldn't love to see those two win respectable championships and having their own rivals with each other, best friends going at it, and they give a hellacious match. And he was the first to ever main event in, I mean, in Monday Night Raw for the women's title. And that got that one of the highest ratings in that modern wrestling history at that time period. Hall of Famers, no questions about it. Um, they deserve... They deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore of female wrestlers of all time. No question. The other two heads, I can't even give you the names right now. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about some of the recent stars. We got Sasha Banks. I know the one, pe- the ones that people will know, probably. Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Charlotte. Who else do you think is mainstream that people will know? Well, now you got to give praises to Bianca Belair. You think she's, she's mainstream yet? Do you think she's mainstream? Yes, she's coming out of her own... People's going to fall in love with her, and y'all going to fall in love with the way that she's going to be just bringing, she's going to bring that EST to the show, baby. 
Um, she's one of them. Oscar's gonna be another one. Raquel Gonzalez from NXT, Io Shirai from NXT. There's a few, few breakout stars that's with that's ready. Well, let's get to uh, WrestleMania 37. Two nights in uh, in in uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, Raymond James Stadium. What's the main event of night one? The main event of night one is Sasha Banks defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. Talk about that match. Uh, for those who don't, for those who not keeping up with the current program right now. Um, Bianca Belair had won the Women's Royal Rumble back in January. Um, so she eventually did pick Sasha Banks right away. Uh, she kind of mellowed up and placated. There's something between her and Sasha in a triple, I mean, in a tag team match that kind of spilled over. And then she actually said, you know what, I want to finish you instead. And here's when we got the match. And now we see Sasha Banks becoming the heel again. So eventually, as I kind of predicted on my show, Sasha Banks won't have to be the heel in this because I can't see Bianca being a heel and she got to go over as a baby face. She's the breakout star. She needs to go off and be on television screens right about now. So who better to do that then? Um, we get two. I mean, we get an African-American and a Hispanic woman headlining night one of WrestleMania. That's a, that's a great achievement. Um, I'm happy for both of these ladies. I can't wait for the match. But I got to go with Bianca Belair on this one. Mm-hmm. You're going to put the rocket ship on the back of her. You're going <laughs> to send her off to the moon. Get her that notoriety. Get her that exposure. <laughs> yeah. Pretty soon you might see her start popping up on guest appearances and stuff like that. And then that's when you know this is her moment right here. What else is on night one? Is Cesaro and Seth Rollins on night one? I believe they are. I'm not telling you two. I'm not telling you two damn sure, but I know they got me on night one. Cesaro and Seth Rollins. The match I really want to got the MC. I know they're gonna take the roof off with that. Um, so they're gonna tell me Seth Rollins is gonna win this. But, and then uh, yeah, that, let's just, yeah, let's see what happens. What other matches are you looking forward to? Um, I gotta take a deep look at this roster because majority of majority of these I'm not really looking forward to. I am looking forward to Lashley versus McIntyre. Because for the people who did, who, who did not know, Bobby Lashley and Drew, Drew McIntyre have faced each other before in Impact Wrestling. So if I can get the mm-hmm. same formula here for WrestleMania, I will be oozing with joy. <laughs> well, Lashley's the WWE champion, for people that don't know that. Yes. Yes, he is. He is my black African-American world heavyweight champion. Former, former MMA champion. Former MMA champion as well. <laughs> yes. Mixed martial art. He he was in Bellator, right? Yes. So I mean, he's legit. He he is he is legit. <laughs> I think he's gonna win. I mean, I'm sorry to hit the kind of burst your bubble right here, right? I mean, right now, as much as I would love to agree with you on that, it's not gonna happen. You don't think so? No. Um, no, we're gonna see somebody or something happen that is going to change what. The purpose is as we want to see it to where it could go. And I'm kind of looking forward to see because if I can actually say, Naomi needs to do something, you you need to put her in there. Um, mm-hmm. Keith Lee definitely needs to come back and he needs to be in here and join the Hurt Business too. All right, well, let's go over some matches real quick. Who do you got, Bad Bunny or The Miz? My God, we really got to be serious with this. <laughs> uh, 
I'll give it to the celebrity. I'll give it to Bad Bunny in this one. <laughs> Sami Zayn or, or Kevin Owens? KO. Kevin Owens, man. This whole Sami, Sami Zayn, Dark and Mary conspiracy theory thing is, is treacherous. <laughs> All right, so who the New Day wrestling against? New Day is wrestling AJ Styles and almost for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And now, I think this is where AJ Styles is going to win it, that he could be the Grand Slam champion of <laughs> WWE. He'd be Grand Slam champion of TNA and WWE. Exactly. So I think if he wins the tag team titles during WrestleMania weekend, he's going to be solidified as a Grand Slam champion in WWE. Let's get to the last pick, and then we'll close. Uh, who do you got in the Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan match, and why? Damn, man, you hit me with a hard one right now, only because I got a lot of thinking to do with that one. But if I got to go with thinking, planning, and, and more importantly, emotional feeling, then right. All right. Because if the rumors is true, and I don't know if this is true about this whole retirement talk, but if it does happen, they're going to let him get one more title run before he calls it quits. Mm-hmm. And then they put the belt back on Roman, which which won't hurt him. He can easily win it back. Mm-hmm. And then you can introduce Jimmy back into the bloodline because he's been injured for X amount of months. So this will be the perfect time for him to come back. All right. Blackheart, I appreciate you coming on. What do you got with the podcast coming up, man? Well, on the next podcast, man, we're going to talk about the previous week uh, was, uh, what's been going on with uh, wrestling, calling Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite and Friday Night, and Friday Night SmackDown, along with the wrestling news and recap. Uh, see what happened, what's going on between Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. See what's going on with Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, John Moxley, the Young Bucks. Let's see what's going on, what's going on with Friday Night Slam with Edge, with Edge Roman and Edge Roman and Daniel Bryan. And last but not least, NXT is moving to Tuesday nights. Starting on April 13th, and we got a big story coming up for that, man. Check this out. Check out the podcast right here on Anchor Podcast, Google Podcast, Radio Public Podcast, um, Breaking Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and YouTube. Follow us on social media as well, off the top ropes, um, on Instagram, Facebook pages, and also on Twitter at off underscore ropes. And look out for the t-shirts, too, man. We're coming out real soon. Black and white and black and red. Um, DM me or email at off the top row podcast at google.com uh, to place your orders in for that. And thank you, Sensibly Cynical Podcast, for even allowing me to come back here again. <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate it, man. And uh, you tell the guys I said what's up, all right? Oh, I'll tell them, all right? We made it, man. We made it. All right, bro. I'll talk to you later. Woo-hoo. Yes, sir. All right, guys, there you have it. That was an awesome education on professional wrestling. Thanks again to Shiz Lansky for coming on the podcast today. Hope you guys enjoy WrestleMania. It is this Saturday and Sunday. If you could check us out on Twitter at Cynical Sensibly, Instagram Sensibly Cynical Pod, and you can check out our Facebook group. Also, if you could please subscribe rate, and review us on iTunes. I would be highly, highly appreciative. Okay, that's another episode in the books. Please stay safe. 
mask up, and take care.